one shot at a time. Welcome back to the Enjoy the Walk podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Dante, I don't know, you know, we talked about a little earlier uh, this week, uh, you know, the difference, the, the difference between carry options or even walking options, whether it was a Correct. stand bag, a Sunday bag, or a push cart. Push cart mafia. I think we're going to, I think we might be a little biased on today's episode, but, uh, oh, yeah. you know, we're, we're bringing on a, um, I think a, an innovative take on the push cart. You know, you, you mentioned last episode, you had a click gear. Um, and kind of all the attachments that go along with that. Um, I've worked in bag rooms, you know, my entire life before I headed off to college as a kid. And they're just clunky. They're notoriously clunky, tough to store. Um, and, and who we're about to bring on has kind of, I think, revolutionized that and, and taken a whole different spin on it. So excited to have uh, CEO and founding partner of Walker Trolley's Brad Payne uh, joining us from Austin, Texas. Brad? How are things going in Texas? Uh, we're just starting to get hot. Uh, it, it, it's starting to get in the, the 90s, so it's, it's definitely summertime here. Things are going fantastic, and uh, I can't thank you guys enough for having me on today. Yeah, we appreciate you taking the time to join us. Boy, if that, uh, that easterly wind could bring some of that warm weather our way <laughs> on the East Coast, that would be beautiful. Yeah, uh, we have plenty of heat, um, and it's only going to get hotter, which, um, you know, with the pushcart mafia and, and preferring to walk the game, um, you need to get started early in Austin in the summertime if you're going to play golf. The, the 7.30 tee time is, is very crucial um, to being able to walk and get out of the heat by the time it's, you know, 102 or so with, with humidity. So, you know. Yeah, that's, uh, it almost becomes coveted to get those early morning tea times just to, to save yourself the sweat and the heartache later in the day. Yeah, I, I, I'm an early riser anyway, and I, I just prefer do sweeping. I mean, that's, that's just a good way to play golf when you're first off and you've got no one in front of you and you can get out of there in three hours and get back, get some work done. I, that's, that's my preferred way to play. But, you know, the, the sunset evening round is also pretty magical with the, that golden hour sunset coming in and coming through trees and, and kind of just lighting up the course. That's, that's also a pretty great time to play. Yeah. I think you're preaching to the choir. Dante and I both like to get out early and uh, you know, like you said, do sweep a little bit. And um, you know, as, as Instagram always lets us know that golden hour is, is something to be uh, you know, messed with as well, but, but let's get into, you know, you talked about your, your love and passion for walking and you know, how you like to play the game. Um, where did that all start? Where did you kind of first get hooked on the game of golf? So my dad was, was the one that got me into the game when I was a little kid. Um, he was, uh, he passed away in 2011, but he was a plus one cap up until the day he died. Um, he played kind of, you know, in men's games. We belonged to a bevy of courses across the time that I was growing up and um, played Atlanta junior golf in Atlanta where I'm from. Um, and what was interesting about that is my, my dad had a sales job kind of all growing up, so he was able to take me to all the tournaments, and, and they would have, you know, 40 tournaments or so throughout the summer. And I would always pick, I'd always go through the list of tournaments, and I'd always pick the most exclusive private courses in, on the schedule every year. You know, it'd be Atlanta Athletic Club, Atlanta Country Club, um, but we didn't live anywhere near any of those courses. So my dad would have to get up and take me for 7.30 a.m. tea time you know, an hour and 20 minutes away, play a nine hole round and they have to come back and pick me up and take me home. So, you know, he was, he was a trooper, but he, he understood why I wanted to play those courses because I wouldn't have another opportunity, but um, he was definitely, you know, kind of like, come on, Brad, can we not play some that are closer around the house? Uh, shout out to all parents for junior golf. Cause my, I did the same yeah. thing to my parents growing up. Um, we lived about, I'd say two hours from the Philadelphia area. Um, and, and a lot of the Philly courses popped up on like the junior golf scene for the Philadelphia section of the junior PGA at the time. Um, and they would play some just beautiful courses. And I was like, come on, dad, I'm never going to get to play those courses. And sure enough, every time my dad would wake up, you know, 4.35 a.m. and get me out to Philly for those early morning tea times. So, you know, shout out to those golfer parents out there because they're the real troopers. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely a shout out to this. Now, now you talked a little bit. He said he was in the Atlanta area. Um, did did your dad ever, you know, run across the likes of like, you know, I think Bobby Jones was in the Atlanta area or any of his kind of family or friends. Was there any connection there between, you know, his love for the game and maybe the Bobby Jones era of golf? No, uh, my dad kind of took up golf late in life. He was an athlete his whole life. Um, so he probably took up golf maybe the late 70s um, and kind of took it up and, and got hooked really quickly um, and was, was a good player his whole life. He always had a dream of playing on the senior tour, but um, we all know that, the, you know, a star on the PGA Tour, that's, that's not an easy thing to do. Um, but I know he did play with like Joe Esty sometimes. Um, Alan Doyle was a big guy in Georgia amateur and, and also did some stuff on the national scene, I think in like the eighties, you guys like that, but, but nothing kind of that far back. Well, I had to ask, you know, you never know yeah, the, the, the roads that might lead down and uh, just uh, Atlanta's got a storied history. So I, I figured we'd, we'd check it out. Well, I always get asked because um, my name's Brad Payne. Do I know Billy Payne? Um, or, or, you know, see my father or anything. And I, and I have to say that, you know, I wish he was an uncle um, because I'm sure I would have played Augusta more than zero times. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, he, he, he was a big fixture in Atlanta and, you know, brought the Olympics and chairman of Augusta. And so he was, he was kind of the man in the state of Georgia for, for a while. Yeah, boy, I think we, uh, we would have found our way down to uh, interview you in person if that was the case, that you were family members. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would use that invitation generously. I, I, I would take everybody and anybody that I knew um, to Augusta. As I hope you would, because I think we all would do the same if, if we had the inside access. Absolutely. Dante and I talk to a lot of people on this podcast, and, and it seems to be, whether it's a mother or a father, um, it seems to be that that's the way a lot of us start playing the game. Um, now, you know, you said he was a plus handicap and, and you got involved early with junior golf. How did that transition into like high school and college and, and even afterwards? Did you play a lot of competitive golf through the years? Yeah, I, I played in high school. Um, I wouldn't say I was good or, or I probably played number four. So on my team throughout my, my high school years, um, I had a buddy who played number one, a buddy that played number two and, you know, they, they were kind of scratch, even par shooters. And, and so, um, yeah, um, kind of going to college, went to the University of Georgia. Um, they have a great course there, but it's kind of one of those, one of those kind of colleges where it's really easy to lose touch with the game, if you know what I mean. I mean, between football and, and bars and, you know, things like that, it's just, it's it's there's a lot of distractions so I, I would say I actually kind of lost touch of the game a little bit through college and then kind of in my young professional days you know kind of got back into it you know playing with my dad and going on big family vacations and stuff like that so um but yeah early high school was golf was important but also played baseball also played football um, swam to did a whole bunch of stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. Uh, heck, Dante yeah. and I went to a small D- division three school, and and even then, you know, we saw a lot of people like, man, I just I, di- I didn't pick up the game as much as as what I did, you know, as like before I get into college. So I can only imagine at a at a big SEC school how uh, how easily it just gets put in the back background for all the activities that that are going on. I go back to think of it, and I had so much free time especially my like spring semester senior year to where I could have gone out and like played golf or done a lot of stuff, but I was exhausted from lacrosse practice. Well, exhausted as some would say, and then uh, air quotes here. And then I'm just sitting there like thinking about the the days just playing cod all, all day. I'm like, damn, you know, I just like missed that on all this time, but uh, I wouldn't be here today if I didn't miss that time out. So. Well, you're thinking of call of duty. I'm I'm thinking of like, backyard barbecues and keg parties but you know that's it those are in there as well those are those are crucial in college you got to get the full experience going to a big sec i mean i my passion is you know university of georgia i mean it's, georgia football is just you know if you ever if you ever get a chance go to athens there's a hundred bars in the downtown six block square area um it's amazing hundred thousand people on football saturdays i i would suggest especially if you went to kind of smaller d d3 schools in the northeast that you need to go down and go to a 
an LSU, a Georgia, an Alabama football game at some point. Like that just has to be on the bucket list. I've heard that over and over again. Um, I'm a huge Big Ten fan, a big Penn State Nittany Lion fan. And and time and time again, people always say SEC is just a little little different. It's cut from a different cloth than Big Ten football. So yeah. might have to make that trip sometime. Yeah, probably not this year, um, but you know, maybe <laughs> after COVID and all is over, I, you know. I, yeah, I mean, cross our fingers that we can make that trip down the road. Goodness, yeah. I, I hope sometime sooner rather than later. But uh, let's talk post-college. You know, you went to Georgia. After you graduated, yep. sometime down the road, you ended up uh, landing a gig at Apple. Um, you know, how did working at Apple lead you to kind of the innovative side of things in looking down the road to Walker Trolley's? Yeah, I think it's I think it's mostly kind of related to kind of how, how Apple designs products. So so if you think about Apple and you think about you always first of all think of Steve Jobs, and you know Steve Jobs is notoriously notoriously famous for not using you know focus groups or designing by committee or you know things like that. It's you know the goal is to create you know kind of the simplest easiest to use product for customers that kind of wows them and, 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 and has these amazingly simple to use features. And so I, that really kind of, and, and when you think about simple, you know, making something complex look simple is also incredibly hard to do. Like, you know, you know, creating the iPhone was incredibly hard to make it look that simple and easy to use. You know, they could have had buttons and they could have had, you know, it could have just been some kind of BlackBerry clone, but to use, you know, touchscreen and everything else. I mean, all of that was, was incredibly innovative. So I think my time at Apple, that's, that's kind of the way I think of, you know, how I thought about, you know, kind of product design. And then I think also, you know, the customer experience is also incredibly important at Apple. You know, it's about creating a product that wows people, um, having great customer service on the back end, um, you know, just, just really creating this whole experience around the customer and then, you know, branding as well. Um, you know, kind of the way Apple brands their products is a lot of kind of less is more, um, you know, it's not, you know, always kind of all these flashy things with, you know, bikini babes or, you know, whatever. Um, but it's, you know, kind of clean, simple branding, you know, that really talks, you know, clearly about what the product's about. And I would say, you know, I didn't have anything to do whatsoever with designing the iPhones. And there are so few people that actually do. Um, and they, you know, are very, very um, highly compensated and, and work in a very small team. But, you know, there's kind of a kind of an ethos around Apple and a secrecy. And, you know, you can't help but kind of feel those things that Apple stands for as a company, as an employee. Um, and so I would say that those really kind of geared into, um, you know, what the Walker Trolley is all about and kind of building Walker Trolleys into a company and kind of think about how we brand and how we market, you know, market, um, how we think about the customer experience, how we think about the product, the product design. I would say that Apple had a huge, you know, influence on all of those things with Walker Trolley. That's really interesting too. You know, I, I think the one biggest thing people always take away or maybe miss, I should say, is, is like you said, how hard it is to design something that looks so simple, that acts so simple. That's almost like the minute from the minute you pick it up, it's like you were meant to have it. And there's no kind of gap between learning how to use it. Um, you know, rolling from Apple into Walker Trolley's, obviously you had a, a background in golf and, and you grew up in the game, you know, why a push cart out of everything that you could choose to design? Why a push cart? Why the golf industry? Yeah. Um, so I belong to a course in San Francisco, Presidio golf course. Um, we had a bag room that was filled with every push cart. You know, we had click gears and caddy techs and bag boys and pretty much everything. And, you know, you kind of show up Saturday morning for the game. Um, you didn't own your own push cart. You just grab one out, you know, the, the guys would give you one and then you go out and play. So I probably used every model under the sun. Um, and there were things I liked and there were things I didn't like um, about using each one. But I think what I kind of came down to was, was a couple things. I like, and this is kind of the, our thesis on kind of the market. It's just that they're all very similar. 
Um, they all kind of chase after a similar goal, and that's to create, you know, the smallest holding push card out there. And um, I think that's fantastic. I, I mean, I think that's a very um, important thing for a lot of people. Um, but I don't think that's the most important thing for everybody. Um, you know, for instance, all the people that were at our club and storing their push cards in our, um, in our bag room, why would they care how small it holds? You know, like they don't take it in their cart, you know, they don't take it in their car at home. They don't put it in their garage. You know, really all that they care about is does it work on the golf course and what's the experience like? And so, you know, it wasn't really until a trip to Scotland, um, actually about two years ago right now, I think was when I went, I had some friends over that lived, that have a house in Dornick. So we went to, so went up to Dornick, played Rorick, Oldsby, Cruden Bay, Old Course, North Berwick, Carnoustie, kind of, you know, Prestwick, did it all. And, you know, used a push card at a lot of those places. Also used some caddies, um, but also, use, but used a, primarily used a push card at a lot of those places. And, you know, you're kind of walking down the fairways of Royal Dornick or Presswick or Carnoustie, and, you know, you're using a neon yellow push cart that's got a lot of molded plastic pieces. And I was just kind of like, this golf course is 200 years old, or this golf course is 150 years old. And I was like, you know, this just doesn't fit with kind of the, the, the aura of these great golf courses. And so, you know, what I... I kind of came back to the United States. Um, fortunately for me, my brother-in-law was an industrial designer. Um, he'd been designing baby strollers for the last 10 years, him and his partner. And he was also a college D3 golfer. Um, so he had a background in golf also. And so we just kind of thought, hey, you know, can we design something that's kind of different? Um, kind of something that, you know, if push carts had been invented in the 1920s, what would kind of a modern version of that 1920s push card look like, you know, took inspiration from, you know, the, the roadsters of the 1920s, um, the English prams with the four wheels and the big wire, you know, wire spoked wheels, um, Detroit bikes make some really cool classic 1920s bikes. And, and so that's kind of where the whole thing started was just kind of, we want to create a push card great on the golf course. It's simple to use, um, uses premium materials, and then also folds really, you know, into a compact size. I mean, you know, we couldn't just create this monstrosity that didn't fold or something, you know, like that. I mean, you know, people still need to be able to fit it in their trunk of their car. Um, but, you know, maybe it doesn't fit in a Miata, um, you know, sorry. Um, <laughs> you know, but if you have a truck or a sport utility or a crossover, you know, you're fine. Um, and so we just designed the product, you know, to be the best that we could on the golf course. And that's kind of where we started. And I think we kind of took a different approach than maybe a lot of the things that are on the market. And I, you know, I, I hope that kind of comes across on the design. Um, but that was kind of where we started. Well, I think there was a lot in there and I want to touch on a few things um, that sure. I loved, you know, the one thing, the first thing I think, and, and Dante, I'd love to get your opinion on this too. Um, I think every course sees uh, just a plethora of different kind of fold out, you know, six, seven axis, different kind of, you know, push carts that, you know, this tire folds out and that tire folds out. And like you said, it, it's trying to collapse oh so small. And, and I don't know, Dante, what, you know, the quick gear that you own, how small does that thing go? Um, it's pretty bulky. So I have a um, Hyundai Elantra 2018. Uh, chunk's pretty big, um, but it's kind of like in a mushroom shape, right? There's like a, the back end part of the trunk is on the short stem aspect. And then it comes out around like the top of the mushroom. And then that's the widest. You put the push cart in there. Uh, you're pretty much taking up 100% of that stem area. Uh, so it's pretty bulky, um, but kind of just going off of this and what you're talking about, talking about like all other types of push carts and the simplicity of this one is all the other ones I've been through. I'm on my third push cart. You know, I play in a course that's very, it's kind of like very Sandy. Um, so mm -hmm. I had ones with push buttons and they had like three or four different buttons that I had to push in and it was a tri wheel. And then the wheel got like from constant folding in and out. 
the buttons got lodged with like the sand and the buttons got stuck and then that <laughs> broke and then the front end wheel the I pushed a button and the sand got into where the 360 wheel just got stuck and then that actually broke off and then eventually I went to a different brand which was like click clear and all that it's just there's just so many contraptions with these sometimes and I'm just like looking at this and it's just simple that's what I'm, I'm so glad you went there because that's exactly where I was headed with it too was like my dad and I growing up, we used to walk all the time and we would have like the old style, kind of like you said, just all plastic, you know, and then we had some of the newer style twos. And we had like a, at one point, I remember the back of my garage had like a push cart graveyard of just, just push carts <laughs> that didn't work. Things were broken. We used, we're using tires off of this one to fix this one. And just, it was a mess because while it's nice to have it fold up in the back of your car, so small there become so many pivot points and different little levers and actions that just after wear and tear. And like you said, Dante sand, water, you know, dirt, whatever getting in there, they're not going to work after a while. And it, it, it just boils down to like, do you want that kind of convenience and you're buying a new one every year? Or do you want something kind of like, you know, obviously we haven't gotten to, you know, see one in person or have, you know, our hands on one, but it just looks like this doesn't have that many points of like, concern as opposed to a lot of those other really high foldable elements in you know the competition and I think it's really cool too and I think it just goes back to maybe your time at Apple but just I think you know your brother's experience in industrial design too um, it just is simple and I think that speaks to the larger masses when it when it comes to all right I can just pull it out one pull and there it is so like you know, I want to move into um, the design process. How did you guys start and how many like prototypes did you guys go through to finally find out where you guys are at now to say, you know what, we're going to move to production with this thing. Yeah. So we started in August, 2018, um, a couple months to, took a couple months to, you know, actually kind of formalize the design, kind of get ready to start looking a partner. Um, my brother-in-law obviously had some some connections, uh, you know, in Asia with his experience, you know, working in um, baby stroller design. Um, we chose to kind of go a different route, which, looking back on it, wasn't necessarily the best idea. Uh, we used kind of a sourcing company, um, which is you kind of get what you pay for, and <clears throat> you kind of never know what you're going to get. Hmm. Um, and so we made a trip over to China, and we were. You know, we were in China, we were in Vietnam, we were in a couple other countries, you know, touring these, these kind of small mom and pop factories. And I was kind of like, this, this is just not going to work. Um, and so we ended up going with um, a company there. They're a global manufacturer um, based in Asia, um, actually based all over the world. Uh, they're the world's largest producer of baby strollers. Um, so they really know how to make folding things with wheels kind of the way that I say it. Um, once we got hooked up with them, it was a much better process. Um, took us, I think, four prototypes, kind of from May of last year through um, the PGA show of this year, January. That's uh, when we kind of wrapped up tooling. And we've had kind of, I think, three post-tooling samples. And then the final... Uh, pre-production sample comes next week, which is the kind of golden sample, final sample. This is what everybody that ordered a trolley is going to get. They're going to make X number of these and, you know, keep churning them out. And so that's kind of where we are now. That's crazy to me. And I know you just said it was an interesting process. It's like how you first go about, obviously you had the the background um, kind of, you know, in with the baby strollers. But even then, you know, you still took the trips around to like, like you said, mom and pop shops and, and ended up with a larger producer. But it always kind of blows my mind to, to how you narrow it down to, yeah, that's it. To like put your trust in, in some manufacturer to, to put your design that you have in your head. And obviously, you know, many, many iterations of drawings and everything like that. But to say, yes, that's, that's the guy we're going to go with or the company we're going to go with because you know, that's, that's your baby. That that's, you know, when you trust someone to make it the way you want it, um, you're putting your life on the line. I feel like a little bit. And, um, you know, talk us through the materials that you guys ended up, you know, locking down. Yeah. So, 
So the way we thought about the design, I, I think this kind of goes back to something we were talking about earlier. Is, you know, a lot of companies on the market, um, you know, they use a lot of plastic. Um, plastic's cheap. Um, it's easy to use. It's easy to mold. It's it's just it's not as good as aluminum. Um, and that's something that, you know, we felt pretty strongly about is that, you know, within the central hub that we have is that it's all aluminum throughout the central hub. You know, it adds a little bit of weight, but it also adds a lot of strength, and a lot of stability. Um, and so I was adamant that that will always be aluminum just because if we're going to create a quality premium product, um, we're not going to use, you know, plastic parts that could easily break, um, especially not in the most crucial part. Um, and, you know, we thought about the product from the beginning is that we wanted this to be, you know, a premium push cart. And so um, we took a lot of inspiration from the Baby Vista and the Upper Baby Cruise, and they have these gorgeous full grain leather handles. Um, so we've got, you know, this beautiful perforated, you know, full grain leather handle that, you know, feels different than any other push cart you've ever used because, you know, you're using a leather handle. Um, and then the you know we thought about kind of what's happened in golf um, in areas where they're making you know companies like Seamus and McKinsey Golf Bags are using canvas and they're using wax canvas and they're creating these these beautiful products. Um, and so you know we decided that our storage accessories are going to be made of wax canvas. Um, it's a it's completely different than anything else that's on the market. Um, most of it is molded plastic or netting or something else. Um, but we wanted to create a bag that, you know, is kind of, I hate to say a work of art. That's a little, that's a little, you know, obtuse. Um, and, you know, a little bit of hyperbole. But, um, you know, it's a quality product that's, you know, made of wax canvas. It's unique. It's, you know, it's, it's water resistant. Um, you know, we can customize it umpteen million ways you know like if you wanted like a pirate flag on yours or you know um you know dante you wanted camo or hawaiian or something you know we could make you a one-of-a-kind um bag that could be on your trolley that you know maybe nobody else has um you know we, down the road you know we can put your initials on it and all these kind of things um and you could kind of really customize your your trolley you know maybe you have three Seamus head covers or something like that and you want to you know, kind of match those fabrics on your push cart, you know, storage accessories, you know, we could do something like that down the line. I think that's, you know, that's, that's kind of where we come from, from materials is, you know, looks a bit different than what everybody else does. Yeah. It was really neat to see that when, and, and I'm just, my mind's blowing a little bit that we didn't cross paths at the PGA show this last year. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, the, the enormity, of that place is just uh it, it's easy to not see everyone during that week but uh guys we guys you did mention we did get to see we interviewed mckenzie um we stopped by uh Seamus and checked out all their products and I think it's really neat that you know you kind of took that approach because it's where golf's headed I think is back to that just overall personalization that like yes you can still have a product that everyone's getting the base model, but then you can put your upgrade on it and get your own touch, your own feel. Um, and, and I think it just, it ties in so well with the leather handle you have, the way the, the wax canvas carrier, it's just, it's awesome to see that, you know, you offer that little bit of kind of just personality to what else would just be, you know, and no offense to the product, but it would just be an aluminum cart, you know? It, so that's, it, it's, it's awesome to see there's those little added bonuses in there to kind of make it your own because, you know, I, for one, love the leather handle. I think that, you know, like I said before, we haven't been able to feel one or touch it, but I just can imagine that is so pleasant to just push around all day long. It's not that hard plastic, that, you know, uncomfortable feel. To, to get your hand on a leather product like that off the bat, um, I could just only imagine makes for just a really comfortable experience. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really cool. I mean, it's, you know, I – I look at um, a company like Upa Baby. Um, you guys and probably your audience has no clue who I'm talking about, unless they have, you know, two and three year old children. Um, but, you know, it's one of the number one selling stroller brands in the country. It's $849 up to $1,500. But, you know, people kind of grab that leather handle and they know that they're pushing kind of something different. You know, it's, it's, it's such a soft, 
different feel. And I, I feel like touch and feel are just great, you know, um, you know, great senses, especially when you're going to spend four hours, three and a half hours, five hours, whatever your round's going to be. Um, you know, you're always touching that handle. So it's a tack point that you'll always have with Walker Charlie. Um, and to make that a different feel and something that, you know, people are going to like, I think that, you know, that was one of the kind of crucial points of the design that we came up with that let's, let's differentiate ourselves in those kind of small ways. For sure. And, and it's definitely, I mean, you can take one look at it and know that there's nothing else like it on the market. Um, I think that just right away is obvious. Uh, but then, like you said, the tactile feel of it and just the little nicks, nooks and crannies of it, you start to look at it and you say, well, wow, there's, there's actually way more than what meets the eye when you first kind of walk up to these. And I think that's what's really neat about it too, is kind of the more you, you take a look around from the detail in the wheels to you know, like you, like you just described all the detail in the carriers and you know, the printing of everything. It just, every corner you turn on this thing, it just looks like there's more to be found in the detail that's added into it. Um, and, and it's really impressive that, you know, like you mentioned, I think when we first got on was the simplicity, you know, at first glance is just like, well, wow, that is super simple, super sleek. But then you get into it and it's actually, there's a ton of components that makes it look that simple. Yeah. I mean, like one thing that you guys, or two things you guys probably don't notice even by just looking at the pictures is the, you know, so the straps that strap in the, um, the bag, um, super simple. They're basically canvas belts. Um, there's no reason to kind of create, reinvent the wheel belts have worked for centuries to keep people's pants up and, you know, fasten things. It's fine. Um, but there's little, you know, golfers in it, um, you know, that are the center of our logo. Um, um, you know, at the, at the, at the top, um, where the leather handle is, there's a little um, piece of plastic, um, casing that has a, a logo of the golfer. Um, and that's basically to protect the leather. It, you know, it's kind of looks cool when you look down and you can see the Walker Charlie logo, but you know, its purpose is really that when you close it up and you fold it and it's sitting on your garage, it, the handle's not resting on the leather. It's resting on that little piece of plastic, um, so that you don't scratch up the leather on your concrete or on your garage or, or kind of the other you know anywhere else that you might be well, that's really neat you know and i think it's so cool because there's so many components of of just any design piece in general that a lot of times people are you know either think oh well that's not really serving a purpose or they say well that well that space could have been used for something and instead it's just kind of empty space and it seems like everywhere you turn, like you just described, something's meant to be there for a reason. And it's meant to have a purpose, which is really neat. And I think um, just as kind of someone with a design background, uh, really, really appreciate that uh, effort. Because it, yeah, okay. you do. yeah, you do have a design background. <laughs> speaking of design, speaking of simplicity, and, and kind of speaking of space of just like the past conversation, one thing that kind of speaks out to me on all three of those things is that little canvas piece i guess net or um fabric that's sitting right underneath the middle of the cart i mean a lot of carts that you see out there there's really not there's really nothing you can do with that space because there's like other uh contraptions or even like wires that are yeah. that interfere with that area and i'm just looking at that that's like one of the biggest that's one of the things that speaks out to me the most of that because you can still utilize that space i mean you can put stuff down there like clothes or whatnot or to me mm -hmm. what i'm thinking is you know for pushing a cart and like if you're going out and playing a 90 degree day so i like to i like to keep my bag as light as possible um so whether i'm carrying or even pushing a push cart but if you're going out and playing like a 90 degree day you can take like a nice little cooler and fit it right under there and just have it sit there because I know sometimes Absolutely. there's bag companies and cart companies that make the, the parts for it to attach to the cart, but you're really not getting enough space for, like, say, if you want to have four or five bottles of water or six cans of beer or whatever liquid you choose to drink out on the <laughs> course. But right there, I mean, you can, there's enough space to where you can, depending on what size or a quantity amount of drinks you want to bring you can utilize different sizes and different models of like uh coolers to put under that that just like stood out to me and that speaking on the 
the simplicity side and the space. And that's like one of the biggest things that's sticking out to me right now. Yeah. The way we thought about that was, um, you know, a lot of strollers have kind of that under compartment where, you know, a mother will put a jacket or she'll put something like that. And, you know, you just think about all the things that you need. The really the whole storage accessory and everything was thought about, you know, what does a golfer need access to um, quickly and easily? And how can we kind of fill that need? I mean, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of other things that they want or kind of need or, or kind of want, I guess, wants is better. You know, the things that I think of that you use in a round, you know, your rangefinder, your phone, water bottle, um, you need to put your keys and your wallet somewhere because um, you may need to grab your wallet, you know, with a turn or something like that to grab a hot dog or beer or something like that. So you don't want to put it deep in your bag. You have to be fishing for it. So there's a closable pocket. Um, keeps it keeps it secure and then like you said kind of that area underneath you know if you want to throw a sweater on if you're playing early in the morning um, you end up taking it off later um, or you bring it late in the afternoon you put it on because it's cooler you know you got an easy place you don't have to kind of go fishing through your bag Um, that's kind of the way we thought about it was just what are the easiest things that, that I need to access quickly and let's build areas for those and then I'm sure people will use them whatever way they want but um that's kind of what the purpose was for them but you know hey use it, use it however it makes you happy just fill it up that's all that matters <laughs> put a case of beer down around up there so it's pretty great. neat i think i'm dante it was something that i just maybe missed or wasn't seen too and now that i come to think of it i think that's like you guys with your guys' design is why you were able to do that space down there because most other carts, they're folding mechanisms. And like you said, Dante, the wires to kind of keep everything together, it's kind of taking up that space in the golf industry. Um, and it's really neat to, you know, obviously with your brother's design background in the, the stroller industry is probably where that came from, but not, not many other golf carts have that kind of space down there. Um, unless they're built in, like you said, Dante, with like the added in coolers and stuff like that, but it doesn't come standard. So that, that's pretty neat. And, you know, I, I think it's just, it, it's fun to see that there's so many ways to use it too. And I think, you know, whether it's, you know, like you said, if you want to put a case down there or whatever you want to do, um, there, there's plenty of ways to use it. But I want to get back into the PGA show, which I think is, is pretty neat and um, something that, you know, you guys were awarded by Golf Digest as like one of the 14 coolest things down at the show this year. Talk us through that a little bit. You guys actually went the Kickstarter route kind of before the PGA show. Did the PGA yep. show help you sell items on that Kickstarter or, or was it, you know, just talk us through the kind of decision to go through Kickstarter before getting to the PGA show, which most people use as kind of like a release point. Yeah, absolutely. So the Kickstarter really came out of kind of a necessity to kind of prove the concept. Um, we weren't, you know, it cost, let's say it's a couple hundred thousand dollars to, you know, design development, build the tooling, everything else to bring, you know, a golf push cart to market. And so, you know, we were talking to angel investors and seed capital and other people last fall. And I think the biggest thing that we heard was, you know, we need kind of proof of concept. We need, you know, are people going to buy this thing? Do people like this thing? Um, And so the Kickstarter was really kind of more about proving that concept. It wasn't really so much about raising money. It was kind of about just saying, Hey, there's, there's people out there that, you know, think this push card is worth it um, and think it's cool. And we kind of started building momentum from there. And I think, and it really took off at the PGA show. Um, We were on golf channel like the first day and, um, you know, they were kind of showing off the push card and then, you know, golf digest did something with us. And then, you know, it's kind of built just momentum through the spring. Um, we were in the April issue of golf magazine and, um, you know, it was just kind of just these cool milestones one after another, just kind of, you know, and, and I, I'm sure we'll talk about COVID, but, you know, kind of COVID hit and then everybody ran out of push cards and nobody could buy any. And so, you know, people are, I, I probably get five emails a day being like, hey, man, I'm going on a golf trip next week. Can you give me a push card? Like, you know, can you send it to Bandon? Like, dude, <laughs> there's no to. one that would yeah. want, no one in this world that wants to send you a push card to Bandon next week. And I want you to take 100 pictures of it and tell me how awesome it was and tell me how cool the sheep ranch was and everything else. And I want to hear all about it. But unfortunately, I hope you're going in July, you know, <laughs> and, and, and then we'll hook you up. That's, and, and then we go to you. That's one of the things. 
we got we touched on last episode and it was like i i kind of read the article and was like you gotta be kidding me we're out of push carts that's what we ran out of we ran out of toilet paper and push carts <laughs> like come on but uh it, it's fun to see golf kind of trending back in the direction of walking whether you know by choice or by necessity but uh it, it's it, it's neat to yeah. see and i think it's kind of golf's been moving that way with the mckenzie's with the joneses uh with the Seamus is just kind of that old school kind of vintage golf mentality coming back into the the limelight a little bit um you know talk us through that too a little bit you know you kind of you, you partnered up with Seamus to make you know their hand stamped uh pieces part of your you know your kickstarter bundle uh one of your options on there you know what was yep. the what was the thought process behind uh you know partnering up with Seamus and and giving those guys kind of you know a little bit of uh recognition in, in what you guys do as well yeah i mean i just i i think akbar and those guys just make really cool stuff i mean i i'm a big user uh i love their head covers i love their ball markers um you know their pouches and other things i mean i just honestly we're just fans um i think they've built a great business they're um, everybody that I've dealt with out there um, is just incredibly nice and, you know, just good hearted people. And, um, I, and I think you see that. I mean, you know, with Akbar and what they did, they shifted really quickly to making math. Um, you know, they kind of paused golf production in the beginning of COVID and, and thought it was more important to do kind of the humanitarian mission. I think that just says a lot about, you know, what those guys are about. And I think that's just kind of the company that, you know, you'd want to be involved in. Um, and so that, that's kind of where that came from. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see it a lot, and I think in, in many industries, but I, especially the golf industry, um, when partnerships happen, it's usually because of what you just said. It's because we're fans of what other companies are doing. And, and you know, as a, yeah. as a golf fan, um, there's some cool stuff out there. And, and to be able to, to be on a platform to finally say, well, I'm not just going to buy their stuff. Like, let's partner up and, and let's do some really cool things um, is an awesome experience and, and kind of just another one of those milestones, I'm sure, that you talked about that it's like, you know, it, it's awesome to finally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for us, too, I mean, you know, we're a little bit different than everybody else. We're not really stepping on anybody's toes right now. So, you know, if we want to partner with Seamus or if we want to, you know, stitch golf, they just guys do some really cool stuff. You know, the SL bags one and two are really cool. Um, you know, the Jones guys do some really cool stuff and, are, you know, are some great guys. And, you know, there's just a lot of, I think, kind of artisans and innovators and people that kind of want to do things a little bit differently than it's always been done in golf. And, um, you know, I, I really respect that. I think there's, there's a lot of kind of new talent, new blood. And, you know, I hope that, you know, they kind of can take their companies and, you know, expand them and grow them and keep making really cool products. Um, you know, McKenzie's in that, that area. I think the guys at Chaplin bags make some really cool bags. Um, there's just a lot of, of kind of innovative and um, innovation happening. And, you know, hopefully we're kind of doing that in the pushcart area. Um, but, you know, I just, you know, we're, yeah, we're fans. And so if we're going to, work with those companies and design a bag or do something cool like that, or, you know, do some custom, you know, graphic trolleys that will auction off for charity or something, you know, we'll go to the Jones guys and be like, Hey, make something really cool for this, you know, this push cart and, you know, make a unique bag and, you know, decal it up and make, you know, make it camo or something. And, you know, we'll auction it off for charity or something like that. And those guys would be like, yeah, let's do it. That sounds awesome. And I think that's just kind of where golf is right now that a lot of people are just, you know, want to do stuff that's different and cool. And um, I think you look at that with like, you know, Seamus and the Nike shoe. I mean, like the Nike, you know, shoe was like super cool. I mean, you know, that I wish they ordered like was one of the best 5, things to come out. Yeah. It was one of the best things to come out of the yeah. golf industry this year. It was so retro yet classic and and like you said they they far under ordered what should have been produced <laughs> yeah because yeah. unfortunately yeah, i, I didn't get my hands on it <laughs> no i i think i i think i had him in my cart and then i like put the wrong cvv number in my in the credit card and by the time it you know it aired they were already sold out like awesome wow so, more meant to be 
Yeah, it's really neat, too. And I think we saw it down at the PGA show, Dante. It's just so cool. Like you said, there's so many guys that are just kind of busting out of the molds of, of what golf used to be and, and putting their own, whether it's artistic spin on it or, like you said, with just all the kind of new bag companies out there. Uh, a big big fan favorite of ours is Dormy Workshop and, and the, the work that they do with their head covers and stuff as well. Um, we interviewed them and, and kind of got to know those guys. And, and the, the boys from Nova Scotia can put some cool spin on uh, on some head covers and bags and stuff like that and uh, and it, and it's all handmade there too you know so I mean it's just uh, it's a lot of people who are not only passionate for the golf industry but passionate in their own trades um, in what they do whether it's leather work or stamping or uh, bag work or anything like that um, you know to to be able yeah. to bring kind of their own handmade products to to the forefront of the golf industry has been really neat to see and I think it really to the forefront within the last year or two. Have you guys thought about hickories um, and, and getting yourselves a set of hickories um, to go with your Sunday carry bags and, and things like that? Is that, a, is that a road that you guys are thinking about traveling down? So I go to like the Philly uh, show every year. Um, it's a lot smaller, just like kind of for like the Philly community pretty much. And mm-hmm. there's, a guy, there's a guy there every year that has, has this huge barrel of old hickory hickory sets like not even sets just clubs but you can easily pick out probably a good nice you know five club set and each year i walk over there and each year i stand there over the barrel longer and longer each year almost pulling the trigger because i know there is actually a big hickory league and kind of community in this in the like because i'm like right outside of philly in this like huge Philly area. And I know they get a lot of tournaments going and whatnot. So it's, I've seen videos of it and it seems like a lot of fun. So it's definitely on my radar of something I def, uh, I want to try uh, down the road. Yeah. I, I've got a 40th birthday upcoming and, and I've, I've hinted strongly to my wife that that would be what I want for my birthday. <laughs> some, some nice yeah, authentic. Really, really cool. I tell you what, with, with the, um, with the kind of, uh, forthcoming of the short course coming back around uh, hickory sticks have a very good uh, possibility of, of making that uh, that turn of the century with the short course yeah I mean like a place like winter park um, you know goat hill park with hickories like that that sounds just awesome I mean winter park especially I mean that that place is just so pure and it you know you could play it you know from the blue tees and it's 26 600, 2,400 yards, you know, Hickory's perfect distance. It, 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 would, be, it would be a blast. I, we, we experienced Winter Park for the first time in our lives this year, um, and I think I can honestly speak for Dante and myself when I say it completely changed the way we look at the game of golf. Um, and it, it's incredible yeah. that a short course in the middle of a community um, that, you know, just recently got a facelift was able to do that. Um, but, you know, so, I mean, if our listeners, I know we have some listeners from down in the Winter Park area that we played with that week. Uh, yeah. I was fortunate enough to play in the Janela Skins match down there on a, on a Friday afternoon. And, uh, boy, was it fun, man. The locals are so hospitable. And uh, it's just – it's a fun place, fun time, great people. Um, and, yeah, I, I couldn't recommend it enough for people to go down and check it out. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. I I played, in, played with Janela and – Tuesday and kind of a John Ashworth thing and um, the Link Soul kind of thing and it was it was awesome loved it met some awesome people and like you said just um, for twenty bucks it's just it's kind of perfect we have this we have this nine holer in Austin called Hancock Park it was the original Austin Country Club and I, I I'm dying to try and do something similar here <laughs> um, you know Austin is Austin is such an outdoors kind of city and you know great craft beer scene and live entertainment music I, I think there's something to be done kind of mixing all those into it so yeah we if, definitely if we get down that road i'll you know we can come back on the pod and talk about it. yeah no doubt about it i think uh janella's style of golf he's got going down there and whether it's his or whether it's just winter parks and and it's what they do i think that style of golf deserves to be played a lot more often in uh, many cities across the country um, and, and, you know, by anyone at any age, I think that was the other great thing about it. You know, before we move on, I just, you saw kids out there having fun. You saw old folks having fun and it was just, it's a course for everyone. Um, and that was what was so special about it, you know, is, is just that anyone could get out there on any given day 
for 20 bucks and have the time of their lives. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what, I mean, that's what the future got to be. I mean, like the way that I think about, you know, there's a hundred, you know, or a hundred, there's thousands of, I don't know how many mini courses there are, but there's, there's a lot in the United States. And, you know, there's a lot of them that just don't distinguish themselves at all. And you've got a place like Winter Park that just stands out. It's just kind of the, you know, it's, it's different. And I think, you know, what the guys are trying to do with the National Link Trust, what John Ashworth's done at um, Go Hill Park, you know, it's just got to kind of do something different with these communities. And, and I think that really, you know, you guys out a little bit. Um, you're never going to be Pine Valley. You're never going to be Augusta National or anything like that. But, you know, you can take a lot of things that people love in your city, you know, whether it's great craft beer or great porch or, you know, some interesting greens and some fun architecture. And you can, you can make a great golf course and a cool hang for 20 bucks. For yeah. $20 an hour. I, I think you hit, it, you hit it spot on. Like, you know, each, each city should embrace what it is and bring it city's kind of niche market to a muni um, and make it the hangout spot, you know, make it, you know, your Friday afternoon, Saturday evening kind of spot. Um, and, and that's, I think, where we invigorate the game of golf and, and bring this next generation into it. And, um, you know, I think we have a, you know, between us, our listeners, uh, we all have that same kind of mentality and passion is like, you know, let's not only, you know, make golf fun again, but like, you know, not to say it wasn't fun before, but like, let's make it so that everyone can do it, even the people who've never picked up a club before. And I think that's what Muni's do. And I, I know that's what Winter Park does. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, whether it's a big community putting course with beer service or whether it's, you know, top golf or whatever it is. I mean, I think, you know, there's a ton of ways you can have fun playing golf um, and you can kind of incorporate other cool aspects that, that people enjoy and people spend time on. And, you know, sorry, that's, <laughs> that's just kind of, you know, kind of my opinion, but it sounds like kind of you know you guys kind of agree right? we're down in that uh on our on our hands and knees begging for golf to go that direction for uh for for more more often than you know so yeah we're excited to go down that road anytime um but you know let's wrap up walker trolleys real quick and uh just kind of talk about what's next you know obviously you're you're a couple weeks away from production and fulfilling orders um you know what's that going to look like when people start getting their packages and uh getting them sent out to their front doors um, hopefully it will be swift and quick and everyone will, you know, have a tea time the next day and be, be so excited. Um, kind of after that, you know, we kind of become a normal company. Um, you know, we, we kind of have customer service. We have, yeah, I mean, you know, we're not in development anymore. We have customers, we have, you know, people that we care about and people that we want to know have a wonderful experience. I mean, I think, you know, I, I send out my cell phone number and my email to everybody that, that shoots the company an email and you call me on my cell and I, I get a lot of calls every day from customers, you know, um, but I think going forward, it's just, let's put our head down. We're going to, you know, create as many trolleys as we can or as we need to, to, to satisfy demand and, you know, kind of the future, um, we're looking at doing a, a non-folding version of the trolley. Um, it'll probably look close to the exact same as the one um, that we had that we'll market towards um, high-end resorts, um, private clubs, you know, walking only golf courses, you know, um, that's probably going to come out early next year, maybe at the PGA show or something like that. And kind of outside of that, we've got kind of a, a line of custom storage bags that probably come out later this summer. Um, and beyond that, I've got some ideas, but I, I probably shouldn't share them this early and, <laughs> you know, on, on a podcast, I'll, I'll, I'll save them, but I, but I've got, I've got some other ideas. I mean, we consider ourselves, you know, a golf lifestyle brand that makes equipment for walking golfers. So, you know, when you kind of define yourself broadly like that, um, you know, there's a lot of things you could do for walking golfers. And so, you know, that's, that's who we kind of think of as our core market. And, um, that kind of leaves open lots of possibilities on the road. Who knows? Yeah, no, that gets uh, that gets the hair on my arms tingling. That's uh, it's exciting because <laughs> that's what we love too. And uh, it's it's exciting to see you know for you guys. Um, I think there's just 
I think the world's kind of your guys' oyster when it when it talk when you talk about getting into the resort courses and the you know the high end clubs and I think you know the trunk of pretty much every common man out there as well because I think once people start getting these in their hands and and just using them I think you know obviously it's not the smallest thing on the market but I think one thing we didn't touch on either is it's only 19 pounds that's light for for as as yeah. for for I, I guess for as as big as golf cart trolleys or or you know push carts can be I, I think 19 pounds is light and I think every golfer can you know man or woman can pick up 19 pounds because their their bags probably right. way close to that especially some cart bags out there um, if not more than that so um, you know I, I think that's one thing we didn't touch on it and I, it's definitely not the lightest on the market I don't think but it's sure not the heaviest um, and I think once you get it out there in a performance aspect, I think it's going to outperform a majority of kind of your, your plastic carts out there without a doubt. We're not making any promises, you know, under promise over deliver. Um, but we're excited about the trolley. We're excited to get it in people's hands. Um, we think they're going to really like it. I well, we're excited that. for you and, uh, you know, fingers crossed and, and can only hope that uh, once people get them in their hands, uh, they'll appreciate them, they'll love them, and, uh, you know, hopefully send you guys some good feedback to, uh, to just keep getting better. I think, you know, every product can always get better in some way, shape, or form. So, uh, you know, before we let you go, um, you talked about municipal courses and you talked about Winter Park. Winter Park aside and Goat Hill aside, uh, you know, what do you think is your favorite municipal course that you've, that you've played? And what's maybe a municipal course that you haven't played that you're dying to get on? You know, I favorite that I've ever played. Um, let's see. Oh, Beth Page for sure. I mean, it's it is technically a municipal, although it's hosted, you know, two U.S. Opens and a PGA. So Still a muni. I, <laughs> I mean, it's a muni, so I mean, I guess that counts. Um, the so I was in Boston this this past summer. Um, and I got to play the front nine of George Wright and I did not get to play the back nine because we ran out of time. Um, so that's, that's my answer. That's where I want to get to. I want to get back and I want to play the back nine of George Wright in Boston. That's, well, that's cool. Um, that's where I, that's where I want to go. Now, what part of Boston, like, or I guess what part of, of Massachusetts is that in? Is that like kind of right outside the city or, or where is that located for those people who might not know that area too well? Uh, it's one of the oldest, most famous, um, you know, city of Boston golf courses. Um, it's right in Hyde Park, uh, right there kind of in the, um, I guess, kind of southern part of, uh, of, of Boston, not too far. Um, my brother-in-law, um, who designed the trolley, lives in a, a, kind of a little bit further south in Dedham, so it's, it's pretty close to there. Um, not too far south of the country club. Um, but kind of on the southern side of Boston. Awesome. Well, excited to hopefully uh, see you get back there sometime soon. And, uh, you know, once we can all get back to traveling and, and get back to a little bit of norm, um, where can people find you to maybe get their hands on, you know, a, a walker trolley and, and just follow along with your guys' journey within the game and, and to continue to see you guys yeah. get out on courses? Yeah, absolutely. If you, if you want to order a walker trolley, if, if, uh, you know, this podcast has inspired you and, and sold you and, you know, you're really excited about it, then, you know, walkertrolleys, plural, dot com. The reason why we named it trolleys is that's what they call pushcarts in Scotland, uh, which, you know, using the, the proper terminology, you know, Scott, the Scots invented the game, so, you know, you can't call it a pushcart. Um, and then at Walker Trolleys on both Twitter and Instagram, um, you can find us there. We, we post pretty frequently on Instagram. Um, Twitter, not quite as much, but um, we we do post a lot there. And you know, sign up on our email list on our website, and you'll get all the updates, production updates, um, fun and interesting facts, and, and other fun tidbits. You guys can hopefully pick one of those up and and be out on the course this summer with a walker trolley and uh, post your pictures, guys. Let them let them know how much you like it, and uh, hopefully we can uh, you know get out with you and, and experience it for ourselves. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. This has been a pleasure. Uh, when we can get it back out and travel again, I know you guys are up in the Northeast. Let's get together, uh, go walk, of course, in Jersey, Maryland, Southern PA. You know, let's, let's, let's get out and, and go play together.
you got yourself the a deal there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, guys, that is, uh, that's Brad Payne, founding partner, uh, CEO of Walker Trolleys. Brad, really appreciate the time. Uh, really appreciate the chat and uh, excited to see this product hit the market officially and, uh, and see you guys just continue to, to make a splash within the golf industry and continue to just uh, innovate in the, uh, in the push cart or trolley market and uh, see you guys succeed well into the future. So thanks again for joining us. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I, I, I really, really appreciate it. It's been fun. Um, you know, next time we can actually get out and travel, let's, let's go play some, you know, whether it's in Southern PA, meet in the middle between you guys are, you know, somewhere around Philly. I, I hear there's some good courses, you know, that uh, Dalton can get on, you know, through his junior golf connection. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that'd be fun, guys. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. You got yourself a deal, and uh, we'll see you on a golf course soon, Brad. Thank you. Thank you. One shot at a time.